10,000 reasons or more to praise the Lord for what he's done. Uh, but at the top of the list to praise him is for Jesus Christ, his son, who has borne our sins on the cross, paved a way for salvation so that you and I could be restored to God. So instead of death, you can experience eternal life. If he's worthy of praise today, say amen. Man. Now, let you in on a secret. Uh, I, I'm, there's some things I'm good at, some things I'm not. And in case you didn't know it, uh, I'm not that great at jigsaw puzzles. Jigsaw puzzles would be something that uh, I'm not very good at. However, with many things in life, I have my two boys fooled. At nine and six, they're still fooled because uh, while I cannot successfully, usually do not have the patience to successfully complete the adult jigsaw puzzles that are a thousand pieces or more, uh, I cannot do that. I just have, I've tried once or twice and just thrown up my hands and, and quit. My boys do not know that because let me tell you, when it comes to the 25, 30 piece jigsaw puzzles, I'm all over it, all over it. And uh, we don't do a lot of them. We've done, I think, three that I can remember. One, well, the first jigsaw puzzle I ever remember doing with my boys was like Spider-Man, Captain America, The Incredible Hulk, The Avengers. They had one for that that we, that we did. And then uh, somebody gave Owen a Peyton Manning jigsaw puzzle, and we did that, and that was pretty fun. And then uh, his favorite quarterback, Owen's favorite quarterback, is Tom Brady. And we did this one. We did this jigsaw puzzle right here uh, uh, of Tom Brady. looked just like that, and he, and he was all about it. Uh, but while we did that, uh, he started putting some pieces together, but then he got like I get with the thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. Uh, Owen started to get frustrated, and he started to put some pieces that he thought fit in one place, but then as you would put others, you know how it is with jigsaw puzzle, you realize, oh, that actually doesn't fit there. And uh, he reached a point when we put that together that he actually just wanted to quit, that he just wanted to throw it in and, and not continue uh, anymore. He, he just wanted to stop. I was thinking this week, uh, the Christian walk, in some ways, is like a jigsaw puzzle. Uh, and we're disciples. The Bible uses that language. We're disciples. That's what Jesus called his followers. The Apostle Paul will later use language of sanctification, which is different but also similar. And that sanctification is your growth in the Lord and your maturing in the Lord. And, and we certainly, the Bible teaches, we grow in the knowledge of God and who he is. And so there's a sense in which the Christian life is like a jigsaw puzzle that, that God, uh, over time, shows us. We mature, we grow, and we begin to realize this, this is what the Christian life is about. Now, sometimes early on in our Christian walk, and this is not about age, this is about Christian maturity. You can stay immature for a long time if you don't get into God's Word, if you don't pray, if you don't... Uh, give yourself uh, over to him in worship and honoring him and these kind of things, you can stay immature for a long time. But if you are engaged in, in, in the biblical disciplines, the biblical walk, the Bible teaches that you will mature and you will begin to grow, and in some ways as if the jigsaw puzzle of what God is up to begins to expand, expand. But here's a big danger. The big danger for a lot of people is you begin to put God begins to reveal to you some pieces that you then put together. And this thing called pride comes into the equation. And when pride comes into the equation, God has a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle for you. He has more and more about himself that he wants to reveal through his word, right? 
His word is deep, and there's so much he wants you to know and, and grow, and there's so much you want to know, but you get a couple of pieces, and you think, hey, I've arrived. Uh, or like Owen, you think, I haven't arrived, and I'm never going to arrive, so I'm going to throw it in. Both of those are an issue of pride. One is, is instead of having enough pride in who God is, the right kind of pride, you doubt that God can actually help you continue to grow. You think, I, I can't do this. For others, you have the wrong kind of pride in the sense of a human pride that you think because a couple of pieces have come together that you now are on par with God and you know everything. That's not what God wants in either direction for you. He wants you to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. He wants you to grow in wisdom. He wants you when you sing these songs of praise to have a knowledge that helps you actually know what you're singing about and what it means to praise Him. And I believe today the fact that you got up and came here on a Sunday morning and you're here to worship is because you do want to know more about God. You want to experience more of His goodness for you. If you came today expecting to learn more about the God who saved you, say amen. All right. So how do we do this? How do we not let pride, either, either a lack of pride in who God is and what He can do in you, or too much pride in yourself, how do we, how do we overcome that? What kind of spirit, what kind of traits do we need to overcome that spiritual battle? And I want you this morning to go to Acts chapter 18. And go to verse 18, and we're going to meet a guy named Apollos who's going to help us see some traits, uh, some biblical fruit, some, some Holy Spirit fruit that in our lives we need to model that will help us have the right kind of faith. The right kind of faith. All right, so Acts chapter 18, go to verse 18, and let's look at the apostle, uh, or I'm sorry, the teacher Apollos, this man, Apollos of Alexandria. Now, remember, preaches through the book of Acts, right? And we saw last week that, that, that uh, well, it's just, you know, it's just a few verses given, but basically for a year and a half after he leaves Athens and that great Mars Hill discourse, Paul, Paul leaves and goes to Corinth, and he stays there a year and a half. And some amazing things we saw last week happen at Corinth. I mean, just some unbelievable uh, things happen during that year and a half that he's there. All right, so now that time is coming to an end. And, and remember, two people that he met there were these folks, Aquila and Priscilla, that encouraged him in the ministry and his walk with God and became great friends of his work and, and, and I believe great friends of his personally. All right, so here goes, here goes uh, Paul. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. And then he took leave of the brethren, and he sent him to Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Chisere, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus, right? So the, the Aquila, Priscilla, and Paul get to Ephesus. He came to Ephesus, and he left them there. So Aquila and Priscilla get left in Ephesus. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but made them farewell, saying, I must, must, must by all means keep this feast that comes in Jerusalem. So it's one of their pilgrimages, one of the feasts. He wants to be there. And he says, but I'll return again unto you if God will. If God lets me, I'll come back. And he sailed from Ephesus. But he leaves Aquila and Priscilla, this married couple. He leaves them there. And when he landed at Caesarea, and had gone up, he saluted the church, and he went down to Antioch. And after he'd spent some time there, he departed. Went all over, the, all over Galatia, figure he continues to just travel, strengthening all the disciples everywhere he goes. But what about Ephesus? What's happening at Ephesus while 
he's gone, all right? A certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. So Alexandria is in Egypt. We'll see in a moment. It's a very, very important place in the Roman Empire. This guy, Apollos, a Jew, leaves, leaves Alexandria, comes to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. So he knows something about the ways of God. Being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught diligently, probably in the synagogue, the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So he knows something about the way of the Lord. Through the, through the preaching and teaching of John the Baptist's message. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla, remember they're Jews, and as of yet the, the, Christian, the Christian movement, the, the Jesus way, has not been completely booted out of the synagogues. Although in Acts we're seeing how that process started. How they're starting to run them out. So, so the, the Jesus people, those that know Jesus and the Messiah among the Jews, they're still going to the synagogue, many of them. They're still, they're still going. They're still connected to that. And so Aquila and Priscilla are there. And they hear this guy getting up, preaching the message, prepare the way for the Messiah. They hear this. And what did they do? Verse 26, they took him unto them, and they expounded, or they taught unto him, the way of God more perfectly. I love that. They instructed him in a more complete way. And when he was disposed, when he was ready to go unto Achaia, the brethren wrote. So they write a letter with him, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much. So when he gets there, he helps them out a lot, which had believed through grace. How did he help them? For he mightily convinced the Jews, and publicly, this happened publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So here is Apollos. Apollos, a new, a new character in our, in our biblical preaching through the book of Acts. Apollos appears in the city of Ephesus after the Apostle Paul again leaves his two friends, Aquila and Priscilla. Apollos was born in Alexandria. Now I want you to get a glimpse of what that means. Why? There's a reason we're told this, I believe. Apollos is born in Alexandria, the second largest city in the Roman world. So in the whole Roman Empire, it's the second largest city in the Roman world. It's the capital of the Roman province of Egypt. So remember, you remember your history. Uh, Julius Caesar had that relationship with Cleopatra. And then when Julius Caesar died, Mark Antony, the great Roman general, he goes to Cleopatra and, and, and they... They shack up together, and Mark Antony, he knows Egypt's, you know, it's got a lot of grain, a lot of food, and he's making a power play to be the, to be the next Roman emperor, and so is, so is Augustus Caesar, and, and there was one other guy, and so the civil war breaks out, and remember Mark Antony's there, and basically Augustus Caesar squelches Mark Antony, uh, puts him down, destroys his army, and when he does that, he disposes of Cleopatra, has her killed, uh, unlike Julius Caesar, and and Mark Antony, he does not fall for her beauty and her ways, and so he, he has her killed and basically puts an end, he puts an end to the Egyptian dynasty and uh, may, lets, lets Egypt know, hey, you belong to Rome, and uh, I'm in charge. And Egypt was really important because Egypt was the breadbasket of the Roman Empire. And all the grain that came through Egypt, guess what city it went through? Alexandria. Alexandria. The city of Alexandria was founded by Alexander the Great in 332, 
331 B.C. after he had conquered Egypt. And the largest, listen to this, the largest Jewish community in the diaspora. What's the diaspora? Fancy word for all the Jews that got exiled or had to leave Israel. So over time, these Jews that have had to leave Jerusalem, leave Israel, the largest community of Jews outside of Israel lived in Alexandria. Now I think, I could be wrong, but I think New York City at one time uh, in the last century, and it may still be true today, New York City had the largest concentration of Jews outside of Jerusalem. So I don't know if that's still true today. I believe that was true at one time. And so we can kind of, if you think of New York City and the sort of the, the influence that, that the Jewish community has had there in the last century and even today, you can get a little bit of a glimpse of what Alexandria was like. The largest group of Jews outside of Israel live in Alexandria. In fact, to give you an even better picture, catch this. Philo, a first century AD Jewish philosopher who lived in Alexandria during the time of Apollos when Paul was preaching, said that one million Jews lived in Egypt during this time and the biggest portion of them lived in Alexandria. In Apollos' day, this eloquent man, the most famous library in the world, the Alexandrian library was in his home. There were books from Greece, Rome, Egypt, even as far away as India. The Alexandrian Library is important to us as believers because it was there, it was there that the Hebrew Scriptures were translated into Greek. The Septuagint Bible, where the Hebrew Scriptures were translated into Greek, which is kind of like English of today, sort of a, the, the most common trade language. The, the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek at Alexandria. It's called the Septuagint because 70 Jewish scholars translated it. And because of that, God-fearers all over the empire, people that were interested in the ways of God that could not read Hebrew, because of the Septuagint, they had a Bible that they could pick up and that they could read. If you're thankful for your Bible in your own language, say amen. Boy, so this has been going on for a long time. Septuagint. This is, this is an important place. This, this, is not, this is not Israel. This is not, not some province on the backside of the Roman Empire. Apollos is from a place where the action happens, and it's a place of learning and education. And, and the Bible clearly tells us, right? Look at verse 24. It, it wants us to know this. Apollos, what, is we, what do we need to know about him? Born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, an eloquent speaker. He has the ability to communicate uh, in a very eloquent kind of way. It also says, look at verse 25. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. He knows John's baptism. This is a man that has a faith, and it is a faith that is in the right direction. He has some pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that are there, but, but he, doesn't have, he doesn't have all of it. And in fact, the central, most important piece of the jigsaw puzzle of life, he doesn't know about it yet. So how does Apollos, this eloquent, educated urbane Jewish guy, how does he move from having a little faith to having a more complete faith? How can you? How can you grow in your faith? Because you said, most of you said amen a minute ago, you, you came today expecting to grow. How can you do that? Well, there are two things we see about Apollos. I want to give you these two things. I want to give you these two things. And, and I want you to have a spirit of prayer during this message. You're listening, but I want you to have an attitude of prayer to God. 
And I want you to be asking God as you listen to this, God, give me these traits. God, help me to be this type of Christian, all right? So here is trait number one about Apollos that we, that we learn from this text. Number one, be teachable. Say that after me. Say, be teachable. You've got to be teachable. Apollos knows about the teaching and baptism of John, but he doesn't know Jesus. Now, that raises an interesting question. How does this guy from Alexandria know about John the Baptist? How has he heard about uh, this preacher, this son of Zechariah, that was preaching uh, there in Israel? Well, there's a couple of ways, all right? And maybe it's a way we haven't thought of, but there are two main ways that he might have heard the message of John. Number one, he's traveling. He's not in Alexandria. He's in Ephesus. So it could be that he has the ability uh, to travel, and the Roman roads are pretty good at this time, and travel's relatively safe. And so it could be that he has made, like Paul is now making, he has made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem before. He's left New York City, and he's gone to Israel, like we see many Jews do in our day. He's gone to Israel to see it, to see his homeland, to see where mom and dad are from. And it could be because he lived during the time of John. John would have been around when he was probably younger. It could be that either with his parents or he himself, that he went, he went to Israel at a time when John's ministry was still going strong, that little that little window, and maybe he was there, and maybe he heard of Johanna, uh, son of Zacharias, maybe he heard of John, the son of Zacharias, and maybe he heard the message of John, maybe he personally heard what John had to say, maybe he's a tourist, he said, I got to go check this out, I got to go find out what's all, what's all the big deal about John, it's kind of like my, my sister went to Japan, this church helped send my sister to Japan, this E-team stuff's been going on a long time in this church, and so this is over 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, this church sent my sister to Japan. And uh, when she came back, she'd been here a year or so, and a friend of hers from Japan came to stay at our house and came to this church. And the wildest thing in Cookville was going on when he came. The Putnam County Fair was going on. And we took, and Dad tell you, didn't he have a video camera? Yes, I remember this. Had a video camera, stay at our house. We live right by the fair. How can you come to Cookville and the fair going on and not go to Pumpkin Fair? We took the Pumpkin Fair. He took that thing. He was videotaping every redneck from five counties that was there. Mesmerized. Mesmerized by this. Maybe, maybe Apollos, maybe Apollos has, was there. Maybe he personally heard the message of John. Maybe he wasn't there. But if Alexandria is the, the next biggest place where Jews are at, you better believe there were probably, especially as Herod, what ends up happening to John the Baptist, what occurred, you can be better believe there were probably some disciples of John that as, as, as things started to turn or just to spread the message, that they went out, that they left. And maybe it was there in Alexandria that he heard a preacher of John's message. Maybe one of John's disciples had gotten up in his synagogue and stood up and said, Repent! And prepare the way of the Lord for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And maybe that message, message resonated with him. We know it did. And maybe it was because some disciple of John let him know it is time to repent. The time for the Lord's kingdom, the coming of the Messiah is now. However he heard, Apollos believed. He believed. He had faith. He had faith. That's how you're saved. Is by faith in the living God. And, and based on what he knew, he had faith. But he had what we might call credit card faith. Right? I call this a credit card faith today because Apollos 
is he, when you have a credit card, right, you take your credit card. By the way, I don't have a credit card. Only my wife is allowed to have a credit card in our house, all right? But what does my wife do with that credit card sometimes? She'll, she'll, take that, she'll take that credit card, not very many things, mind you, but every now and then just keep it going and, and, and to build up some points, she'll use that credit card. And what that means is, hey, uh, I'm going to pay for this later. I'm going to pay for this later. When Apollos has a credit card faith, he knows he has a message of the Messiah is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It hasn't come now, but I believe it's coming. I believe it will. He had a, he had a credit card faith. Hadn't been paid yet. Credit card faith. But praise the Lord, the mystery of the gospel, as Paul will proclaim it, is unfolding in his day and is unfolded in ours. And we don't live by credit card faith anymore. We live by an it is finished faith. We live by a faith of a Jesus Christ who has died for our sins. Apparently, Apollos believed John the Baptist's message that someone would pay for sin, that someone would set Israel right, that someone would provide salvation for sinners like him. But Apollos did not know that Jesus was the Messiah that John had been pointing towards. So look at 1826, what it says. It says, based on the faith that he had and the knowledge he had, what was he doing with it? He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Maybe it was Isaiah 40 or Malachi 3, preparing the way of the Messiah for the Messiah. And can you imagine Aquila and Priscilla when this one who knows the message of John, who is an eloquent speaker, gets up and begins to say, prepare the way for the living God, prepare the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you imagine as they begin to proclaim that? I think, I think in Aquila and Priscilla, boy, they're probably like Tanner back there playing the guitar. You know, sometimes Tanner can't help, but he, I don't know how he plays the thing and gets his hand up, but he does it, right? I imagine it's kind of like Tanner, Aquila and Priscilla are sitting there. And here this guy is who's a mighty preacher, and he's telling them, prepare the way because Messiah is coming. Prepare the way. I mean, I, I got to imagine they probably just wanted to jump up and interrupt that service and say, he's here. He's here. The spirit of the kingdom of heaven is upon us. We have experienced the Holy Ghost. We have experienced salvation. This message, prepare the way. Yeah, prepare the way. Because in this day, this time, you too can know Jesus. I imagine they had to have been gleeful, excited. Maybe they looked at each other in their pew in the synagogue. They just looked at each other and knew, oh man. Oh man, Paul left us here in Ephesus to do a work. Paul left us here in Ephesus. But Paul had no idea of knowing yet. He left them there in Ephesus to do something. But what he didn't know is somebody else had brought them to Ephesus to do something. And that was the living God himself. And you may be here today. And you brought yourself here. Or somebody else brought you here. And you say, yeah, this is how I got here. But I want you to know today that you're not the only person that got you here today. There's a living God that got you here today. Stay here and preach and repent. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So Apollos has a credit card faith. He's on the right track. But his faith needs completing. He needs more light. He needs more insight into, not man's opinion, right? He needs more insight into the Hebrews, Hebrew scriptures that he has. He needs more insight into that based upon the figure of Jesus and what Jesus has done. So they take him aside. And when they said they explained to him the way of God more accurately. And how did Apollos respond? Do you respond by saying, no way, I'm more eloquent than you guys. No way, I'm from Alexandria. I don't need what you got. What, this Paul guy? I've heard about Paul. Come on, he's, he's been raised in the Pharisaical tradition, the rabbinic tradition. I have been 
I, I know the Greeks. I mean, look at my name, Apollos. I'm an educated guy. I don't, I don't need what this, this guy, Paul, taught you guys. He, that's not what he said. I believe he listened to what they said. And it resonated what he knew of the scriptures. And he was teachable. And he believed. He believed. So now, again, praise the Lord, Apollos, we see right before us. He has a more completed faith, not a credit card faith. It is finished faith. The Messiah has come. He has died on a cross outside of Jerusalem already. He has already paid for humanity's sins. For your sins, Apollos, he has paid for them. He has already risen from the dead. And now he sits at the hand of the Father's right hand, offering forgiveness to any and all who will put their trust in him. Folks, get off the credit card faith and embrace the way of Jesus and embrace and it is finished faith. Some of you have been holding on to your pews during services. And some of you have been holding back. And you've been waiting and waiting. And I don't know why. Today God says to you through this text or this word, don't wait anymore. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Some of you today hope things that will, will work out. And you do know in your heart that you need to repent. You need to embrace the work of the Lord. But folks, you've got to step out like Apollos. You've got to let your pride crumble. You've got to be teachable before a living God who says, move, move to trust in my son. So I just say to you today, don't let pride keep you from becoming teachable, right? Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, and don't have a false pride that says, well, I can't learn. I can't know. Listen, Apollos is teachable, but there's a second thing I want to share, all right? Well, how, how, do I, how do I grow in the knowledge of God? Came this Sunday morning wanting to grow in the knowledge. How do I do that? Number one, be teachable. But then there's a second thing that, that may seem kind of paradoxical, but I'm going to explain to you why this is important. Number one, be teachable. And number two, be a teacher. Would you say that after me? Say, be a teacher. Look at verses 27 and 28, the specific type of teacher Apollos becomes. When he was disposed to pass unto Achaia, he's going to go ahead and leave. The brethren wrote, they write a letter. They exhort the disciples that are there to receive him, who when he was come helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and publicly, and that publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. When, now listen, he has an official teaching capacity within the church. And there are those who have been recognized by the church as, uh, as gifted and knowledgeable to teach the Word of God in a way that is recognized that others should listen to. Because the doctrine is sound, and they have an ability to communicate that, and not that they're perfect, not that they're perfect, but that they have a lifestyle that is recognized this person is striving to live what they preach. All right, so, so in the New Testament, you've got to have, you've got to have the, the doctrine. You've got to be recognized. This person actually holds to the apostles' doctrine, uh, preaching uh, grace by faith and, and, and understand what the Scriptures are, are, are about, and about how Jesus is a sinner. They've got to, they've got to have that. They've got to be, have some gifting to do it. And they've got to live a lifestyle that it's at least recognized they're striving, they're striving to live what they're teaching. There's, there is that kind of teaching, and Apollos is one of those teachers. But even if you don't have that kind of gifting, all of us, all of us are called to help teach and instruct others in the hope of God's Son, Jesus. We're all called to share 
the way of God's love and the way of God's holiness and the righteousness of his law and the goodness of his kingdom, we are all called to share with others. And when we share, when we tell them, we are instructing them in the way of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6, back in the Old Testament, makes it clear that for families, this starts with a mom and dad who recognize part of the job of being a mom and dad is to teach their children in the ways of Scripture. Then we see examples of individuals instructing others like Aquila and Priscilla who take Apollos aside. And then we have these teachers of the congregations, these preachers within the congregation. And Apollos will become one of these gifted for ministry within the gathered congregation. But even if you don't have that kind of gifting, you need to be teachable, but you need to use that gift This knowledge that has been given about Jesus, you need to not just hoard that within, right? Jesus clearly teaches in some of his own parables. You are to take that, and it means other things too, but part of what Jesus' parable of the talents is, once you know this, once this gift of who Jesus is has been given to you, you have a responsibility and a privilege to teach, instruct, and to show others in the way of the Lord. So always be teachable. But if you're a believer, always be a teacher. Always be teachable. And always be a teacher who's trying to teach and show and tell somebody else about Jesus. Now, when I I was a boy, uh, when I was a boy, there was a movie in the 80s that was really popular. And it was called The Karate Kid. The Karate Kid. And, And I don't know if you've seen this or not. They show it on TV all the time. But the two main characters in Karate Kid are this guy, Daniel, and his teacher, Mr. Miyagi. And Daniel, Daniel, he, he, I, I can't remember if his mom and dad were divorced, but his mom moves him to California, and Daniel moves to California, and he doesn't have a dad in the picture, and these kids at school start beating him up and picking on him and, and all this kind of stuff. And so Daniel wants to learn to defend himself. So in the movie, Daniel goes to the local dojo where they teach karate, uh, but he's not accepted. They don't, they don't let him in. He's not accepted. They, they won't teach him. And so this guy, Mr. Miyagi, he comes along and he sees the problems that Daniel's having and he, he teaches him self-defense. He teaches him karate so that he can, he can defend himself. And what I want to submit to every person in this room is that everybody in some way is called within the Christian life to be like Mr. Miyagi was with Daniel. You are called, whoever's in your spirit. This, Daniel was just some kid that lived in his apartment and he realized he, he needs help here. And so I'm going to help him. Did you know in your apartment complex, probably right next to you more than likely, is somebody that needs to know about Jesus so they don't die and go to hell? Did you know in your neighborhood, on your street, there's somebody that needs to know about Jesus so the devil does not overwhelm them and defeat them and destroy them? Did you know there are believers that God has put into your life who the devil is attacking and he is assaulting and you have sat under good teaching and hopefully you've heard some good preaching and, and, and you have had you, 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 there's some things you could do to help this young believer and God does not want you to sit on the sidelines and do nothing he wants you like Mr. Miyagi did with Daniel he wants you to say here's what I know Daniel I guarantee you there's somebody on the football team that needs for you to live and walk like a follower of Jesus and, they, and, and you don't have to get in their face Whatever, but there needs somebody one day that's having a bad day for you to tell them, hey, when I'm struggling, here's how I go to the Lord. I guarantee you, basketball at Monterey, 
I guarantee you there's somebody that their season this next year in basketball is not going to go right, and they're not going to get the playing time they wanted, and it's not going to be working out, and they're going to just, it's going to crush them, and God's going to have you two there to say, hey, let me tell you what I do when I'm struggling. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I guarantee you at the school you work at, at the college you're at, at the job you're at, God has you there. He wants you to be teachable and to be growing, but he also has people in your life to be a teacher to them, to help them know the way of the Lord. Nobody that you come into contact with has to remain in ignorance of God's goodness. You get a chance to teach them and show them. Man, if God's way is a good way, say amen. It's a great way. And I, I don't have time, I'm not going to do it. But man, my mom and her life, some of the, the people that poured into her and helped her with her Christian walk and encouraged her, to this day, she still talks about them. When my dad, for him, I mean, he, he loves Dr. Piccarilli, a teacher at the Bible college where he went, because my dad says I had all these questions, and I kept getting all these different answers. And, and Dr. Piccarilli's not infallible, but he at least gave me a way for seeing the Bible, and my dad still, he'll go on about that. Why? Because, because whether it's in your local church, and it's just some lady in your local church that loves you and going to help you, or whether it's somebody with a Ph.D., it doesn't matter. We all need to be teachable, and we all need to be teachers. And so, folks, this morning you say, how, how can I continue to allow God to grow my faith, continue to grow in sanctification? How can I continue to be who God wants me to be? By the way, this was not in the notes. Some of you, your spouse does not believe yet. Some of you, your children do not believe yet. Some of you, your parents do not believe yet. Some of you, your grandparents do not believe yet. Some of you, your best friends do not believe yet. Now, they have to accept. They have to have the faith. But folks, let's do all that we can do to be the Aquila and Priscilla that seizes those moments to help them to see there is really only one central piece to the jigsaw puzzle life. And until you got it, you'll never know what the picture really looks like. And it is Jesus. Be teachable and be a teacher. Be an Apollos. Stop living on a credit card faith and embrace an it is finished faith in Jesus. Now, my friend, if you're not a believer today, can I just talk to you for a minute? If you're not a believer today, but you feel a little tug at your heart, maybe a big tug at your heart, saying, I know my sin. I know my sin. I know the secret sins and the public sins and I know that things are not right with me and the God who made me because I have done things that have not brought Him glory. You, you know how you move from just the message of repentance of John? You know how you repent? Confess that sin to God and trust Jesus to save you. And He will. He will save you today. Be teachable. Be a teacher Live and it is finished. Faith in Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's stand together as musicians. Come. They're going to come. And we're going to sing a little bit to this Jesus who has saved us, who's redeemed us, who has made it possible for us to have salvation, to get to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. But my friend, if you are outside that kingdom, if you are separated from God, you need to be teachable at this moment. You need to let God instruct you in the ways of righteousness. And for you, that begins right now with coming and confessing your sins, your struggles, your problems, laying them out before God and being honest. And confessing Jesus as Savior 
and more. Father God, we ask right now that you would use this time to encourage hearts. Lord, if there's a believer that's not been teachable, that they've been stubborn in pride, Lord, may they come today and pray in a humble, contrite spirit. Lord, if there's one that's been wasting their opportunities to share the faith with others, if there's one that wants to do better, they've been doing it, but Father God, they need some encouragement today to keep on. Lord, help them to come. Lord, if there's a sinner that needs to be saved, Lord, I pray that the day would be the day of salvation. Lord, we ask all this in Jesus' great name. Amen. But Cecil, what number this morning? 503. We're going to sing. If you need prayer today, listen, you come. Come on. This is a house of prayer. You come today and we'll pray with you. Let's sing together. If you need to come, you come. I can hear my Savior.